NPR. Here is a pretty stark indicator for you. According to EU scientists, 2023 is almost certain to be the hottest year on Earth in more than 125,000 years. And climate change brought on by the burning of fossil fuels is a main reason why. Now, against this backdrop, tens of thousands of people from nearly every country on the planet are meeting in Dubai. That includes diplomats, scientists, representatives from the energy industry, and climate activists. More than 70,000 people have come together for this United Nations climate conference known as COP28. And one of the main goals is for countries to come up with some sort of agreement on how they can collectively address climate change. Now, early on during this conference, there was some controversy. A video surfaced of Sultan al-Jaber, an oil executive, and the COP28 president saying there's, quote, no science, unquote, to support this idea that phasing fossil fuels out will help meet critical climate change goals. He later tried to walk that statement back, and that pretty much set the tone for the next week and a half of contentious negotiations. This is The Indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. To help us make sense of it all, we are going to be joined today by NPR's Nathan Rott, who's with NPR's Climate Desk. That's coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Certified Financial Planners. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, Certified Financial Planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Nathan Rott, NPR climate correspondent in Dubai. Nathan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. How are you holding up? Um, I'm hanging in. You know, I'm on a steady diet of Americanos, falafel sandwiches, and some vegan chocolate bars that activists have been handing out here very on brand. <laughs> but you're, you're like in the home stretch after a couple of weeks of this very long conference, right? So they say. So these cops always run long. Uh, This one is scheduled to end at midday Tuesday, Dubai Times. I've heard it could take a couple more days for negotiators to come up with some sort of resolution because, you know, we're talking about nearly 200 countries here trying to find consensus on how to address, uh, as you know, an incredibly complicated issue. I'm curious, like, what is the scene like at this massive conference? It's like the world's biggest climate-related trade show. (laughs) There are these, like, incredibly dense and, frankly, pretty dry policy conversations going on in plenaries, you know, countries parsing over the use of technical, specific words. But then there are also, like, hundreds of pavilions and stands representing countries and NGOs and institutions and companies. 
Right. And a large number of businesses are also there who are representing fossil fuel companies. Yeah, that's right. So a coalition called Kick Big Polluters Out looked at public data from the U.N. and found that there are nearly 2,500 fossil fuel lobbyists at this year's COP. Climate activists here, members of some delegations I've talked to, they say it's a sign of how worried the fossil fuel industry is here that there's going to be some kind of big agreement that will really hurt their business. OPEC, the oil cartel comprising some of the world's largest oil and gas producing companies, also has a pavilion here and and they caused a little bit of a stir here uh, at the conference earlier on. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, not just the pavilion, but there was a leaked letter that was sent from OPEC to its members that was urging them not to sign on to any deal a cop that would mention a phase out of fossil fuels and has become like the biggest item for a lot of climate activists in countries here, particularly countries that are facing the worst effects of climate change right now. Here's how Mona Ainu, a representative from the Pacific island of Niue, put it. We need help in the Pacific. We're drowning. We're losing our land. We're losing people. What more can we say? So obviously this is a high stakes meeting for everyone involved, industry, governments, uh, citizens. Totally. But what does this actually mean like when they're arguing about phasing out fossil fuels? This cop is gonna produce something called the global stock take. And I won't bore you with all the details, but it's basically a report card to show where the world is in meeting its goal of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's about 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit for all the Americans out there. And it's the threshold at which climate scientists say the effects of climate change are still, like, somewhat manageable. So I talked to Jim Ski, the chair of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is like the world's leading climate authority, about this over the weekend. And he said, on average, the world has already warmed about 1.2 degrees C compared to pre-industrial times. So that is getting quite close to the 1.5. And that, I think, is why the debates are so intense. It's still possible just to do it, but we are really running out of time rapidly. Once temperatures start going over 1.5, scientists say we could start to see the collapse of food systems and like most of the world's coral reefs. We are obviously already seeing the effects of climate change as it relates to hurricanes, wildfires, heat waves, flood events. All of those would get worse. And I guess the aim of this climate conference is that they're trying to avoid that, right? But does it actually seem like they're taking the steps necessary to accomplish that? So we'll see, right? There's really strong pushback from a few countries, particularly Saudi Arabia, about any language in the text here that refers to a phase out of fossil fuels. So what we've been seeing, what we've been hearing is some countries arguing that the focus on any text that comes out of this COP should be more focused on limiting emissions, not fossil fuels. The pollution that's causing the warming, not the the source of the pollution. Exactly. And, you know, it's not just countries like Saudi Arabia. I talked to the head of the U.S. Republican congressional delegation here. His name is John Curtis. He's from Utah. And here's what he said. You can't throw out oil and gas. You have to throw out emissions as the problem. And so this is what a lot of folks from countries rich with fossil fuels are saying, that they should still be able to pump oil and gas. The U.S., by the way, has more oil and gas development planned in the coming decade than any other country in the world. But we should focus instead on the emissions, and we should do that with technology like carbon capture. So, so as of Monday evening, the language on a fossil fuel phase-out has actually been dropped from a draft agreement, which there has been a lot of pushback against, and negotiations are still going but let's just say, hypothetically, if negotiators manage to put back in this language about a fossil fuel phase-out, what might that look like? 
So that is a very good question, because even though some frontline countries and climate advocates say it should happen immediately and it should happen across the board, there is an interest in making sure that it's done in a fair and equitable way, where it doesn't harm some developing countries that are still dealing in some cases with energy insecurity. You know, for example, Manish Bhatna, the president and CEO of the Natural Resources Defense Council, said to me that there needs to be fossil fuel phase-out language in the text for this to be a successful COP. But, but we recognize that different countries are in different places. So, so he's saying that if we're all going to start phasing out fossil fuels, the big countries who've contributed the most to climate change, right, like the U.S., for instance, they need to do it faster. And smaller countries can have a longer off-ramp. Exactly. You know, that's something I've heard from a lot of people here, because a huge thing that hangs over all of these climate talks every year, not just this year, is that there are some countries like the U.S., the largest historical contributor to climate change by far, uh, that have gotten rich from developing and burning fossil fuels that are now asking the whole world to start cutting down on their fossil fuel use. To make this even more complicated, Everywhere, right, is already seeing the effects of climate change. But the countries that are being disproportionately affected by it are countries that have generally done the least to cause it. And that's why there's also conversations going on here about adaptation, right? Funding to help countries adapt to the climate change they're already seeing. Other conversations about something called loss and damage, the idea that richer countries should pay lesser polluting countries for the losses and damages from climate change that they're already seeing. So is this actually happening yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> you know, I talked to a climate activist from the UK here yesterday who described adaptation as being the ghost at the banquet table here at COP, uh, <laughs> that it hasn't gotten enough attention. It's a nice analogy, right? The UAE, the host of this year's talks, did start this COP with the establishment of a loss and damage fund, which everyone I've talked to here agrees is a huge win. But it doesn't have nearly the money that countries need in that fund, and there are still questions about how countries suffering losses and damages will be able to access it, and whether money will still be put in it in the long haul. All of that stuff needs to be sorted out in the coming hours and days for us to see any sort of agreement here at COP. I guess we'll be hearing from you on NPR News about uh, what comes out of it. Yeah, man, stay tuned. We'll be updating every step of the way. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz-McKim with engineering by Sina Lafredo and Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Cake and Cannon edits the show, and the indicator's a production of NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible Amex Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits that help unlock more value from your business purchases. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care.